is Monday, March 6th. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm AJ Hoffman. A potential Western Conference Finals preview in the NBA. And a couple teams seal their NCAA tournament bids. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. The regular season of college basketball has come and gone. A couple of quarterbacks shine at the NFL Combine. And the Suns edge out the Mavericks. What is the Vegas lead? The Vegas lead is going to be the NBA because it was an exciting Sunday of NBA action yesterday. Uh, We got to talk about the best story of the day. The Rockets and the Spurs? My Knicks, eight in a row. (laughs) Break up the Knicks. (laughs) This is after, did you see, McKenzie, did you see the Knicks win over the Heat? On Friday night, where Julius Randle, listen, I didn't mean to leave with the Knicks, but I just have to mention this. Oh, Jesus. Julius Randle put on, somebody tweeted it out, and it was absolutely hilarious. They were like, the Julius Randle experience in 20 seconds. Because, <laughs> That's pretty good. Because in, in a span of the final 20-something seconds of the game, Julius Randle turned the ball over when the Knicks were winning by one, turned the ball over, then played horrible defense, leading to the Heat taking the lead. And then had the ball in the final possession, lost the ball, (laughs) almost lost it out of bounds, but saved it himself, chucked up the three, and made it at the buzzer. And the Knicks won the game. We're at .7 seconds left. The whole Julius Randle experience in 25 seconds. Knicks beat the Heat on Friday. But, yes, the Knicks beat the Celtics yesterday, double overtime. We'll talk about that game in a moment. But we have to start Western Conference because that was the Eastern Conference Finals preview. The Western (laughs) Conference Finals preview, which is more realistic. The Phoenix Suns and the Dallas Mavericks. How realistic, McKenzie, is that 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 is going to be the Western Conference Finals? I think there's a high likelihood that one of those teams – Makes it, and not because I'm playing the odds and one of those teams could likely make it. It's because the Suns are going to make it. They are amazing. They have impressed me. Each of their game performances, the Mavericks, they don't play any defense. They might not make it. They might not get there. But Kevin Durant shooting 70% on average. A bad game is 67% with the Suns. That's how... The kind of looks he's getting, Devin Booker, same thing. You can't guard these guys. And, and he's the highest free throw percentage in the NBA, right? Shooting like 97 yes. percent. They said yeah. that as he clinched the game with his 36th <laughs> and 37th point. You can, I mean, I don't see a team stopping them. They might be able to score with them like the Mavericks did through three and a half quarters. But this looks like the best team in the NBA. 130-126 the final as uh, it was, you know, a two-on-two game. Durant has 37. Booker has 36. And on the other side... It was 34 from Luka and 30 from Kyrie Irving. Yeah, the the Luka and Kyrie Irving thing, it, like it's fun to watch certainly, but the results haven't been great. And you got to wonder, like it, the Mavericks aren't even like a lock to make the playoffs. They may be doing a play-in game or who knows, even worse. But like how big of a disappointment would it be if you've got, you know, a guy who's looked at as one of the top five players in the league, you add Kyrie Irving and you're not, you don't even make the playoffs, this could be a disaster for the Mavericks, right? I think so. I think you look at Luka Doncic, and he's had amazing performances, very much like LeBron James for the first 10 years of his career, where, yeah, he's amazing, but you put a good player with him, and that good player is suddenly less amazing, and they're not winning. Like, 
J- Jalen Brunson, you talk about the Knicks, it looks like an MVP candidate in yeah. the last, last couple months. He never had that. Christian Wood not performing. Christoph Rosingas not, uh, you know, didn't hit his heights in, in Luka, Lukaville. So, I mean, Jason Kidd obviously went from having a top 10 defense to a bottom 10 defense he's going to be looked at, but they're the worst ATS team in the NBA. They've been very disappointing, and that hasn't turned around with Kyrie in, in there. Well, you look at the Mavericks, and their next game is against the Jazz. I, I Part of me says, clearly, they're home. They're going to be favored. It's a bounce-back spot, right, after the loss. The other part of me says, this is a game against Phoenix that takes a lot out of you. And whatever the line is against Utah, probably going to be inflated because people are going to think there's going to be a bounce back here. Could Utah, you mentioned the, the, the Mavericks' inability to cover the spread. Could Utah be the way to look in this game? Well, it depends what the spread is coming out on Tuesday. My numbers make this Mavericks minus nine. Uh, I feel like they're going to give the Jazz a little bit more respect than that. So, uh, I mean, see what the number is, but I think... You know, I could, I could see myself betting either side of that one. The Warriors get Steph Curry back from injury. Not enough, though. Anthony Davis scores 39 points. And the Lakers, of course, the Warriors are on the road, where they are now 7-24. and 24, uh, But the Lakers get the 113-105 win. Looked like a good night for Steph, but you'd think when Steph comes back, maybe less shots from Jordan Poole, less shots from guys like Jonathan Kaminga, but they both shot plenty and we're plenty inefficient uh and then also like how how good are the lakers without lebron james right now i don't know before this game i, I wouldn't have thought much i mean they lost to the wolves with 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 ad they lost to the thunder without ad but this is their most impressive stretch uh i th- i feel like this is kind of the game where one team is working themselves back into a rhythm I and mean, this is the starting five that should be one of the better ones in the nba but curry minus 12 thompson minus 27 where the other team they've played, they, they've had this is their third game with this with these parameters. So I feel like a cohesion uh, made the difference at home in LA for the Lakers. Now, still no Anthony Wiggins for the the Warriors. The, like, is there? We still don't know if he's coming back at all. Like, this could be like he just doesn't play again this season, right? Um, Bob Myers said that's unlikely that um, he will probably not want to speak to it when he does come back. But he's going to leave it up to Andrew Wiggins to make that decision whether or not he wants to speak to. What's been going on? I mean, that kind of language makes me think it's like something bad. Something yeah. It's been uh, uh, weighing on him, but uh, it does sound like he will be back this season. They could use him, man. Andrew Wiggins a big a big factor for that team. So, uh, And Anthony Davis, of course, like you said, just was fantastic last night. Uh, 39 points, eight boards, uh, and only two turnovers, six assists even for the big man. Listen, I told you. The, the the and we'll get to your Knicks. Don't worry. Scott. I'm waiting. This is, we'll get know, to your Knicks. It's not like they don't have the longest winning streak in the NBA. I gotta ask McKenzie about this though. This was the weekend, Saturday and Sunday. The Rockets and Spurs played <laughs> two two games. The Rockets win both. What are they thinking here? They won last night, one forty two to one ten. I, I don't know what's gotten into these Rockets, but I, I don't think they understand. Like, did they not learn a lesson from the Texans? When the Texans won that last game of the year, like, what are you thinking? Uh, I mean, the Rockets looked like – and it wasn't like they edged out a couple games. It looked right. like both these teams were – like, the, the Rockets specifically looked they were really going after it. Yeah, best performances, you know, <laughs> of the month, you know, of, of the last couple months. I think uh, you talk about using Texans. I wonder if it's a similar situation where Silas is like, um, well, at least I'll leave here with two more wins in my record because <laughs> uh, it's not looking good for any GM – Coach, anybody in uh, in Houston, worst run. You said Texans are the worst run? 
franchise in sports, Brock is right there with him. Well, do you think what I said last week kind of holds true that the, the Spurs, like Greg Popovich knows he's not going anywhere. Like they can yeah, fail. I think he is and, going. I mean, uh, is it? It's on his terms. A, yeah, exactly, exactly. Everything's on his terms. Whereas in Houston, the the GM, the coach, like who knows what the future is for those guys. Yeah, and I forgot who said this, but I think it was on Zach Lowe's podcast. Someone was saying, people in the building saying, we're a shit show. We have no idea what's going on. That's kind of the language you hear when uh, – uh, About the Rockets? Yeah, the Rockets are yeah. saying that about the Rockets organization. That's what you hear when it's uh, time to point fingers and find new uh, resumes. Get, get your resumes updated. All right, let's talk about the positive news. The Knicks have won now nine straight games after beating the Celtics in double overtime, 131-129. And it was a collaborative effort as you had 38 points from Emmanuel quickly, 31 points from Julius Randle, 29 points from R.J. Barrett. Uh, you know, Jalen Brunson not playing for due to injury, and the Knicks still winning Mackenzie, how impressed have you been with the Knicks during this run? Earlier in the week, I two th- wins against the Celtics, by the way, yeah. in these nine games. I was very braggadocious saying that there were four teams in the East that could make it. I think the Knicks have penciled themselves in. They could beat the Cavs. They could beat the Sixers. That's how impressive they've been the last 10 games. And when is this going to stop? Uh, the Knicks play against the, uh, the Hornets. It won't stop against the Hornets, I don't think. But they they do have to travel to the West Coast Thursday. They are in Sacramento to play against the Kings. And that might be what does the Knicks in, is going to the West Coast for the Sacramento, L.A. times two, and then Pacific Northwest trip. Tough traveling out West. I had a friend out here, Ray, uh, who's a crazy Vegas sports better. One of the things he would do when you have a team that's red hot, remember it was the Hawks that year, that are going on a road trip, he would make the simple proclamation, that team is not going undefeated on this road trip. This team is not going undefeated on this road trip. Despite the hype, that it just doesn't happen in this scenario. So how would you play that if that was your fact, that was a fact of life that you were living your life by? I'd bet against them on the money line in every game. Bet them on the Kings, they lose. Twice as much on the Clippers, they lose. Twice as much on the Lakers. And if the Knicks go over a record-breaking 20-game win streak, you go home. You go back to Texas and you, <laughs> and you don't call your friend McKenzie again. But uh, it worked for a while, and you eat some good dinners at the Bacchanal Buffet afterwards. Uh, that might be the way to play it. But the Knicks right now, hotter than any team in the NBA. Yes, even you, Milwaukee, because the Knicks have the longest winning streak at nine straight games. I don't know. The Rockets just won two straight. I don't know if you saw. <laughs> uh, Mac, let's talk about the Clippers and the Grizzlies. Great they game last won night. With, yeah. With Russell Westbrook? They got the job awesome. done. This was a, a, a real game of runs. And we'll talk about John Morant and his absence here in a moment. But. This was a game that the Grizzlies outscored the Clippers by 21 points in the third quarter and then got outscored by 21 in the Crazy. fourth quarter. <laughs> and the there was a six-minute run where the Grizzlies did not score a point. From the nine-minute mark to the three-minute mark of the fourth quarter, the Grizzlies just didn't score at all. It makes it tough to, to close out a game. Well, imagine betting Grizzlies in the second half. And then you're, All right. you're, you're, up, you're you're up 21 going into the fourth quarter, Crazy. and they push the just second. Just disgusting. Half. Just disgusting. <laughs> what do you make? What do you make of the performance? How much of it is impacted by the absence of John Morant? Obviously, sure. uh, I, it's hard to believe that if John Morant were on the floor, they go six minutes without scoring a basket. Yeah. Uh, but what what are the long term implications of his suspension? And like, 
or should the Grizzlies be worried about life without him if like they decide that this is more of a serious thing than what we thought? Well, they get the cover, and that extends a very, very strong trend of them covering without John Morant in the lineup. I think the line moves a little bit too heavily when he is out. But, uh, yeah, we've talked about the Clippers not being able to close all season. I think it's heavily impacted when you don't have your point guard, your lead decision maker. Think about this. They scored 51 in the third. No other two quarters combined did they score more than 50. I mean, when you get red hot and everybody's feeling it, it's great. But when you have a little bit of a turmoil, it's 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 that is when the point guard is most important to make those decisions and just keep it. You don't need to hit home runs every single quarter, but when you score 17 points, it's far too many strikeouts. That's amazing uh, that, you know, you have monster performances from Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, and maybe that's going to have to be the key for the Clippers is, you know, less ball time yeah. for Russell Westbrook. He played 34 minutes, but he only took nine shots. I think that's his least uh, as a Clipper. I was surprised that he started. I think he should be, you know, less, not more. Um, to be the best addition to that team. So this may be a, a sign that they're moving in that direction. Let's take a look at the schedule tonight. The Celtics coming off that double overtime loss. Now have to go on the road to Cleveland where the Cavs are short favorites. Uh, does this line seem accurate given the circumstance for the Celtics? I'm a little bit surprised. I, I figured the Cavs would be favored. They get the two points from uh, the Celtics being off a of back-to-back. But even so, I think, I think I'm, I'm surprised that the, the Cavs, I mean, Last time we saw this game, it was Celtics by five in Boston. It uh, looks like the Cavs have been net upgraded a point since that matchup. 76ers at the Pacers. Philly should roll? Yeah, I would lean that way. Pacers off a barn burner uh, in Chicago one night. Again, two points for back-to-back. I'd lean towards Philly here, road favorite. Blazers also on the second of a back-to-back in Detroit to take on the Pistons. Dame scoring 41 points yesterday. Uh, what do you think his point total is going to be tonight? Against the Pistons, who have been playing the worst defense in basketball since the All-Star break. Man, maybe they, maybe they put it 37.5 again. I laughed the first time I saw that, but uh, he's against everybody else but the Warriors. He's been scoring that much. The Heat take on the Hawks. Miami, a three-point favorite at home. This is the same line as uh, earlier in the week when they matched, and I, I played the Hawks. I'm thinking about the Hawks again, generally a team that – Loses, plays in the same building, uh, plays a little more fire the next matchup. Nuggets, seven-point favorites at home against the Raptors. I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to say Jokic gets a triple-double. Blowout potential, the only thing only thing I'd be worried about uh, with, uh, with Jokic props in this one. The Kings host the Pelicans. Sacramento, a six-point favorite. Pelicans lose this game. I'm tearing up my Pelicans over 45 and a half tickets. So oh, really? That's my interest in this game. Yeah, it's, really? It's not quite dead, but uh, we, need, we need to st- stack up some wins here. Wow. What's their projected finish right 42 now? 42 wins. And you have over what? 45 and a half. Ooh. So they got to win some. They got to start winning some games. A little upset win here wouldn't hurt. Yeah. And uh, how's their schedule the rest of the way? Uh, they have one of the easier schedules. So they're, they're two games below 500, expected to finish one game above 500. Uh, so they got to pick up some extra wins on top of that. What's the overall health situation right now for them? Uh, man, you asked me early on in the season, am I worried about Zion? Am I worried about Zion? I kind of shrugged it off. It should have been wor- more worried about Zion. He had a, a, <laughs> a re-injury or a re, you know. They're, Aggravation. They're not exactly sure when he's going to play next. And with the playoffs in about a month, that's not what you want to hear. Let's talk about John Morant. Uh, this is the big story in the NBA. Morant uh, not with the team. And the reports are initially we had heard it was like a two-game. Yeah, that's what they said at first. It was at least two games. Suspension. And he said during that, oh, I want to take uh, I want to take some time and uh, think about you know stuff. So yeah. it sounded like he was taking some time off. Now it seems more like 
it, not exactly up to you. Yeah. So, it, yes, it was. He was suspended. And they're saying, uh, or at least um, Taylor Jenkins said yesterday, there's no timetable for Ja to return. Say what you will about what is going on with him, I guess, legally. I don't know what's going on. I know that there was... there's something legal. We would have heard about it by yeah. now, right? I, but... I just heard today that uh, there some interest in the fact that he had the gun and it was his gun in Denver. And if he would have brought that gun on the plane from Memphis to Denver, uh, it would have been a violation. I'm not sure of, of any laws, but definitely of league rules. Hmm. So that that's a serious thing. And maybe that coincides with Taylor Jenkins saying there is no timetable as they, they get to the bottom of that. Yeah, so there was... He was investigated... There was an incident that occurred at the end of January where, um, I, I don't know, something happened. And then um, there was a, there's a, a civil lawsuit from the summer where someone was assaulted at John Morant's home. I don't know exactly the, the details of all of these ongoing investigations, but amidst the reports coming out about things like him brandishing a gun— to then go on Instagram Live and show off your gun, not a good look for you. And I understand why the team's like, dude, we we need you to, like, step away for a minute here. We can't have this publicity. We can't have this bad publicity right now. We can't have all of our guys being answered questions in the locker room, having you have to answer questions in your press conference about something that could get you into serious trouble. So I, I'm all for the team doing what they got to do. But the longer Jaw remains out, the more they're going to get blown out in the fourth quarter of these games. Well, and, and at the same time, you're also the number two seed. And it's like, yeah, we can't have the bad pub. We can't have the bad PR. But you, you also don't want to see everything that you've worked for all season kind of slip away. And not to say that that's like the priority, but it's got to be a factor into whatever decision you're making. Like, because it's this this is a team that's really had a chance to do something in the, in in this season. And for a team that's never really won anything, like it would be, it would be a tough pill to swallow to let it go away. So this is Morant's statement. I take full responsibility for my actions last night. I'm sorry to my family, teammates, coaches, fans, partners, to the city of Memphis, the entire Grizzlies organization for letting you down. I'm going to take some time away to get help and work on learning better methods of dealing with stress and my overall, overall well-being. Now, Ja, I kind of understand that it doesn't seem like you're blowing off steam when you're, you know, drinking a lot smoking and having fun but i also understand how it is that so it might seem to the outsider like oh he's not worried or anything he's having fun in a nightclub exactly he's having fun in a nightclub because of something maybe the loss to the denver nuggets was just too much to be in the moment so he well, was out of the moment the, the timing the reason the, the reason why this is not a good look is again so the washington post published this story last week about two incidents in the summer involving John Morant, one with a mall security guard. Yeah, that was the, weighing on him. The other one with this 17-year-old At a pickup game. Who yeah. got into a, an argument during a pickup game in John Morant's backyard, and then Morant, uh, a according to the police report, had a gun in his, on his waist in his waistband and had his hand on the gun. While playing a pickup game? I guess this was after the game. Oh, it's like, like, man. And uh, th appeared to threaten the person. Now, again, all this is alleged, yeah. right? Allegedly, because obviously John Moran's lawyers are saying one thing. And again, no. Yeah, specifically that he did not have a firearm. Yeah, again, in and, the and, July and, and there were no no arrests. There's nothing, no charges, no nothing. So. Uh, Prove it. Exactly. Uh, it's just not a good look right now. Ja, step aside. 
Let's just play some basketball. Let's let the let's let the save new, the nonsense for the off season. Let's let the news cycle. You know, long season. Let's let the news cycle refresh, and then we'll get you back on. Yeah, the board. he could use a break. He could yeah. use he could use a break from the uh, from the news cycle. Certainly, maybe that's why I decided to step away for a little while. Not a bad idea. Wild weekend in college hoops wraps up. This was the final weekend of the regular season. Right? Regular season is donezo. And regular season's done. We had some tournaments wrapping up, mm-hmm. some of the early tournaments. So some of the automatic bids that have been given out, the Atlantic Sun goes to Kennesaw State, an upset. Liberty had dominated this conference all season long. Liberty won't be playing in the uh, NCAA tournament. Wow. Uh, UNC. No, no at large. Nothing. No, I, I highly doubt. The, the A-Sun's a bad league. Okay. Uh, UNC Asheville wins the Big South. Uh, Drake. Wins the Missouri Valley. They blew out Bradley yesterday. This was a expected to be kind of like a coin flip game. Uh, Drake absolutely housed them. The Ohio Valley Conference goes to Southeast Missouri State, SEMO. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Northeast bracket, the NEC, Fairleigh Dickinson will represent. Well, wait, they, didn't, they lost. They did lose, but that doesn't matter because Merrimack not eligible to play in the NCAA tournament. So Fairleigh Dickinson... Congratulations. You are through anyway. You are the the big loser that gets to win. Okay. Uh, doesn't I, seem I, fair. All right. I have a – I got a question here. All right. So what was the – oh, they didn't play the game yet, right? They didn't play the final yet of the NEC. No. How do we not hammer Merrimack no matter what the spread is? Because Fairleigh Dickinson's already in the tournament because they made the championship game. So Fairleigh Dickinson's game to get into the NCAA tournament was actually the semifinals, right? Yeah. Of the NEC. So that was their championship game. Yeah. By beating, I think they beat St. Francis. Yeah. What what does Fairleigh Dickinson have to play for? They beat uh, Sacred Heart. Whoever. Whatever. So now it's like... Why are we not just betting on Merrimack no matter what the line is? That seems like the right move. Well, how 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 big do you think that spread's going to be? Ken Palm makes it three, so uh, it's got you got to inflate it, right? Probably, yeah. You think I, I, I would guess like pro- seven. No, I don't think it'll be that much. I think it'll be probably Mer- Merrimack minus four. Okay, Merrimack's going to win this by double digits. You think so? Absolutely. Uh, maybe uh, the, the sort of the knock on Merrimack to begin with, though, is they got swept by Fairleigh Dickinson in the regular season. So that was kind even, of like now a, it's an even bigger. Uh, oh, so you know what? So what's the complaint then? If they lost to Fairleigh Dickinson twice in the regular season. Yeah, I know it will be nice. They're playing each other in the championship game, but they they lost to them twice in the regular season. So they're ineligible. They lost to. I can understand an argument if they beat them twice in the regular season, yeah. and then you're like, how? But you could understand an argument if they beat them in the tournament, if they, if they I, win I, the conference yeah, tournament. I understand that, and you're. But but was this? I guess Merrimack was always the favorite to win this conference tournament, right? Yeah. Like, was it as far as the standings go in the NEC? Was this? Like, was it overwhelming Merrimack on top of 
everybody else? Uh, no. They, I mean, Merrimack was 12-4. and four. There were a couple – Fairleigh Dickinson and Stonehill, another team that's ineligible, uh, were 10-6. and six. Stonehill, that's not a real school. It's a real school. <laughs> Apparently so, yeah. <laughs> Where the hell is Stonehill? Uh, that is in Easton, Massachusetts. Yeah. No, it's not a real It's a made-up place? Yeah. It's, it's, it might be. I don't know. It's, it's made up. Uh, I think like launder money. I'm pretty sure every NEC school is made up. Like <laughs> I, I've I've never. No, I've partied at some of those schools. You've partied at Merrimack? No, Fairway Dickinson though, for it, sure. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Huh. Yeah, but I, I think Merrimack going for revenge from the two losses in the regular season, trying to prove a point. Fairway Dickinson's looking forward to. You think they're going to be in the first four? They're going to be in Dayton. Um. Or they get, or are they just going to be like a 16 seed? Fairly Dickinson's going to be a 16 seed. I don't know. Like it, it depends on if there's any like bid stealing teams. Uh, okay, so that's always a, a possibility. Uh, well, I would have. I, I think Merrimack is. There's absolutely Merrimack is the play. So like Lafayette, Lafayette, I guess is. Uh, I'm used to the Louisiana Lafayette. Mm-hmm. Lafayette is in the in the finals of their conference tournament. They're playing Colgate. They're unlikely to win, but this is a team that started two and fourteen. They're they're now eleven and twenty-two. And their coach, their head coach is suspended. Like it's a, <laughs> a total mess. But they if like if they w- win one more game, they're in in, in the NCAA tournament. Mm. So that's a team that would suddenly be like one hundred percent play in okay. sixteen seed type. All right. Right now, looking at Lenardi's latest bracketology at ESPN. This was updated. Ooh, I guess last night it was updated. He's got uh, Fairway Dickinson against Southeast Missouri State in one of the play-in games for a 16 seed to then play against, I, I would assume, the number one overall seed. Kansas. Because he's got Kansas, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah that, wouldn't shock, that wouldn't shock me. So that means that Fairway Dickinson and SEMO, the two last teams in the NCAA yep. tournament. Probably, well, like I said, of the ones that are in now. Yeah, that could change, right. That yeah, could change. That could that certainly could change. change. Someone, uh, someone steals a bid. Makes like, sense. And there is, like, Eastern Washington, who Eastern Washington is, like, kind of a sad story. I, I want to say it's a fascin- fascinating story, but it's kind of sad. Eastern Washington is in the Big Sky Conference. They started out 16-0 and in conference play. They lost their last two games of the regular season and lost the first game they played in the Big Sky Tournament. So they went from 16-0 and 0 wow. to they are not going to be in the tournament. And that is tough. They finished the season 22-10, and 10, will get no bid to the NCAA Tournament. So, And the Big Sky is generally a it's a, it's a bad conference. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be some a bad team who makes it out of there. So that's a team because the favorite's not going to make it, uh, it. Like you're talking about an even lower type seed ending up there so montana state is the like they'll be the favorite uh but if it's not them it's going to be a team that's certainly in that 16 seed okay. conversation yeah like if sacramento state pulls off a couple oh, of wins God. there yeah, yeah <laughs> they're gonna be the last team in the ncaa yeah. tournament yeah uh taking a look around the world of hoops today the houston cougars got pushed but it was not enough and houston with the buzzer beater 67 65 winners at Memphis. This was like the last crack at a Houston team. Could someone knock them off? Memphis always plays them tough, comes up short once again. Houston, uh, minus 300 favorite to win the American Athletic Conference tournament. Yeah. And it's honestly, it's pretty hard to argue against them, even at minus 300, which sounds crazy. Uh, but this team is 100% for real. 
didn't play their best game yesterday, and and Memphis still didn't have enough. Uh, Purdue, a 76-71 winner at home against Illinois. They go into the Big Ten Conference as the favorite. Michigan desperately needed a win. Remember, they lost at Illinois Mm -hmm. in overtime. They got to play Indiana at Indiana. They go to overtime, and they lose again. 75-73. But they cover. Michigan fault. Yeah, there's no such thing as quad one covers, (laughs) unfortunately, for for the committee purposes. Uh, Penn State beats Maryland 65-64, number 21-ranked Maryland, who continues to not be able to win a game outside of Maryland. Uh, So that's... um, you know, another situation of te- like the Big Ten is going to be such a tough conference to handicap the tournament because none of these teams can win away from home. Mm. So how like in a conference where home court is everything, how do you how do you dictate who's going to win these games on a neutral? It's just such a major factor uh, in handicapping that league. Iowa falls eighty one seventy seven to Nebraska at home. Oh my goodness! I mean, just bad losses, uh, and that includes your boys, Rutgers. 65-53 losers at home to Northwestern. <laughs> and Rutgers is certainly one of these teams that's going to be in the bubble conversation. So uh All right, well so let's 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 think about this. Okay. If none of these teams can win without being at home, do we give the advantages to teams like Illinois and Northwestern cuz the tournament's in Chicago? Maybe uh, there. I, I don't know that Northwestern is going to have a lot of fans there. Like I would guess there's, I mean, there'll be more Indiana and Michigan fans than there mm. will be Northwestern fans. But I think Illinois certainly has an edge. Illinois, I like as a dark horse in that league. So, well, Illinois with a win over Penn State will play Northwestern in the quarterfinals. Northwestern's the two seed yep. in the Big Ten Conference tournament. It's wild. It, Illinois currently plus 1,100 to win it. How crazy is this, by the way? Michigan losing that game against. Uh, Indiana mm-hmm. drops them from being the two seed in the Big Ten tournament to the eighth seed. Yeah, it's just bundled. So now the they, so now they have to play Rutgers, and then if they win, they'll play Purdue. Yeah, as opposed to having the double buy and then awaiting the winner of like Penn State, Illinois. Let's say. Yeah, that was a terrible loss yesterday. Yeah, it absolutely was. And Michigan and and Rutgers need that win. Like, mm-hmm. those two teams are both, like, that's certainly bubble, questionable. That's a bubble game right there? Yeah. Uh, Michigan in way worse shape. Mm-hmm. Michigan needs that win and probably needs to beat Purdue. Uh, so, Michigan in desperation mode. But Rutgers is not safe at all, in my opinion. So, uh, they need a win there as well. Purdue a plus 140 favorite in that tournament. Indiana the second favorite at plus 550. Uh, the two seed, Northwestern, plus 850. Uh, they are the fifth favorite in that league. Uh, I mentioned Illinois eleven to one, Maryland six to one. Again, though, it's hard to trust Maryland when they've won exactly one game mm-hmm. away from home in in their conference season. So, uh, a, a really really t- if you want a super long shot, I think Penn State twenty five to one. Griffin, the guy I do the podcast with, the uh, the college basketball podcast with, he he likes Penn State as sort of a dark horse in that league. It is just. Um, it, it is tough right now mm. in, in the big t- in the Big Ten. It's it's tough to to make a call on this thing uh, as far as who's going to win it because again, home court is just so so valuable. And 
Sure, it's in Chicago, yeah. but it's not, you know, I, not, I don't it's know. It's not on campus. It's not on campus. Yeah. Uh, we'll do plenty of conference, the big conference tournament previews coming up tomorrow as they get underway. Yep, we'll take uh, a look at all, all. Most of them get underway, what, on Tuesday? Tuesday. Yeah, okay. But tonight, uh, we do have two top 25 teams in action as the West Coast Conference semifinals get underway here in Vegas. Yeah, uh, and surprise, surprise, Santa Clara blew a huge lead and did not make the semifinal rounds instead now Gonzaga will be playing San Francisco uh and this is it went from you know easy to easier <laughs> for for uh for the Zags who are, they, it just seems like everything's sort of breaking their way right now uh Gonzaga a current 14 to 15 point favorite and on the other side St. Mary's against BYU. BYU gets through, uh, and they are currently, St. Mary's currently a six or six and a half point favorite, depending on where you shop. Now, we're going to the championship game on Tuesday night, but... We're only going... Yeah, if if Gonzaga or St. Mary's loses, now I don't think Gonzaga's losing as a 15-point favorite. If St. Mary's loses to BYU, I think we should just sell the tickets. I think so. Because there there will be BYU fans that oh, are trying yes. to get into the building. Oh, yeah. Because I... I, I I've heard that BYU fans that they pack. Oh, no doubt. Big community here in Vegas, and yep. when BYU plays in town, they show up. So, I think if BYU wins, do we really want to see Gonzaga as like a? What would the line be, Gonzaga BYU? Um, I, on a neutral, I want to say it would be probably ten, but BYU's been a little more respected lately. So Gonzaga was a 13-point favorite when they were home against uh, BYU. Earlier in the season, they were seven-point favorites at BYU. So if they were if they were 13 points at home, I'll say 10 or 10 11. points at, on neutral. I, I might say 11, okay. yeah, just because Gonzaga's played well lately too. So I, I'd say they're probably 11 points here. Yeah, maybe we'll go for a half. <laughs> just bet Gonzaga first half and get out of there. <laughs> yeah. The NFL Combine this past weekend, the Underwear Olympics, as it's often referred to, as we got to see all the athletes in, well, most of them, there are still some things that have to go on today and whatever, but the quarterbacks is what everyone cares about. And yes, we got to see an all-time historic performance, if you will, in the Underwear Olympics from Anthony Richardson of Florida. He refers to himself as Cam Jackson. Now, what does that mean? I don't know. He's a combination of Cam Newton and Lamar Jackson. Ah, okay. Anthony Richardson set the NFL Combine record for quarterbacks with a vertical jump of 40 and a half inches. Damn. He set the NFL Combine record for a quarterback for a broad jump. Of 10 feet, 9 inches. And in just one attempt, uncorked is what ESPN says. That's what they said in the article, uncorked. It's a great term. Got to use that more often, mm-hmm. uncorked. An official 40 time, 4.43 seconds. That's not bad. This dude is six foot four, 244 pounds. By comparison... Cam Newton, six foot five, two hundred and forty-eight pounds, ran a four-six forty, and had a thirty-five inch vertical. Lamar Jackson, 
did not run a 40 time at the combine. Kyler Murray. Did he run at his pro day or something? Mm, no, don't I don't I don't I don't have the times here in front of me. What I do have though is the history of the heavy players at the quarterback position. Because he's six foot four, two hundred and forty-four pounds. Texas A&M's Reggie McNeil, who was 198 pounds, ran a 4.35. That was in, I guess, I don't know, 2006 or whatever. I don't know. RG3 at 223 pounds ran a 4.41. Marcus Vick, Vick's Michael Vick's little brother, at 200 pounds ran a 4.42. Anthony Richardson with a 4-4-3 at 244 pounds. What was the result of this? Anthony Richardson is now the second favorite behind Bryce Young to be drafted first overall in the NFL draft. He is plus 300 to be selected number one overall. Bryce Young, who did not throw at the combine. Bryce Young was measured. We'll talk about that in a minute. Bryce Young is minus 200. Your thoughts on the freak show that was, and I say that, it, it, with it, as a term of endearment, yeah, of what was Anthony Richardson at the combine? I mean, he's he's pretty incredible, it, but it's again the combine isn't a football game, mm-hmm. and I saw a lot of a lot of football games this season where Anthony Richardson really struggled. We like, did see one though early on, the big game where he, you know, became a Heisman favorite. Was that just one game? Right, the yeah. first game was, was that LSU, I believe. No, I think it was the um, oh the Utah game. The Utah game. Yeah, 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 yeah. First game of the year where he single-handedly yeah. wins that football game and everyone's like, this is, can't call him AR-15 anymore, this is Anthony Richardson's year. Yeah. Like, wow, this kid is going to make some noise. Everything fell off after that. Yeah, Anthony Richardson is a guy who's got, every, everything's there for him. Uh, he's just got to put it together. But that's what the NFL drafts. That's what they want. They want guys who have those abilities. And if you've got abilities, even if even if no one's ever seen you put it together on the field, Teams are willing to take a chance on it. They did it with Josh Allen, who they'd never seen him really be successful on the field. They did it with Trey Lance, same thing. Never really seen him do it. But they, because you've got all these tools that say you can do it, that's what they they'll pay to see it. They'll pay to to see it fail, honestly. Uh, so I, I wouldn't be surprised, Anthony Richardson, after what he just showed and some of the throws that he made are incredible. Like the ball comes out of his hand mm-hmm. very, very easily. Uh, this guy really is a a, a special talent. But is he a special quarterback? That's going to be the question that has to get answered. Um, again, most teams, like ideally, it'd be a team would draft him who's got somebody in place, and you could let him sit for a year or two. and Or it, just have a specific package of plays for him. Yeah. but And, and you know what's going to happen? That's not how it works in the NFL hardly anymore. Honestly, this is what I thought about when I was watching him do all these drills and, and reading all the reports on Twitter and whatnot. And uh, I wanted to tweet something out. But I held myself back because I was afraid of the the reaction that I would mm-hmm. get. And I still think I'm going to get some reaction for saying this. But I, this is on my mind. There's going to be someone out there that throws out the idea of Anthony Richardson not being a quarterback. Well, that won't happen. Liz, let me just say this. Anybody who says that is not saying it out of racism, is not saying it out of disrespect for Anthony Richardson's quarterbacking ability. 
And maybe they'll have to say it and phrase it a different way. But the way that I would phrase it is, I need this guy on the football field. And I'm going to get the ball in his hands whenever I can. Because that athleticism, that skill, there's only a handful of guys in the NFL that match that. And whether he becomes a better version of Taysom Hill or he becomes Jalen Hurts 2.0, I don't care. He is going to have an impact on an NFL team, and he should have an impact on an NFL team right away. And that doesn't mean that he needs to be the starting quarterback. But I'm get, if I'm a coach and I got Anthony Richardson, I'm getting him on the field and I'm putting the ball in his hands. However, I have to do that. Yeah. If that means he's a wing back and I hand him the ball off or I pitch him the ball or I have him line up as a quarterback and run a wildcat package, whatever. I am putting the ball, the ball in his hands because that size, that speed, that quickness, that jumping ability, that athletic ability, this dude is gifted and can absolutely defeat defenders on an NFL field. Yeah, I, th- I think you're thinking the way, the same way that a lot of uh, a, a lot of teams are going to be thinking. Like, I, I don't know if this will work, but we're gonna we're gonna find out uh, because this, the, like what you said, it's too special. The the physical gifts are too special to ignore, and every coach in the NFL is going to look at what he can do and say, "I can make that guy into something." Mm-hmm. And it's a nice thing to have, right? and. Bryce Young uh, has had a had a really successful college football career. Very good football player. Does not have near the measurables or the the physical no. gifts that Anthony Richardson does. And there's going to be teams who say, "Yeah, I could probably win with that guy," but it's it's a different it's a different task. Okay, let, let me let me just re- recap this one more time. Okay, Anthony Richardson at his size. Which is six foot four, two hundred and forty-four pounds. Ran a four-four-three. Yeah. Justin Fields, who we have talked about on this podcast, we've talked about on the Dream Preview about how not a great throw over the football, but his running ability—that's the reason why the Bears are in football games, sure. right? Justin Fields ran a four-four-five. Anthony Richardson had a faster 40 time than Justin Fields, and he's twice the size. Yeah. Why, if, if Justin Fields is working as your quarterback, if you're the Bears, why can't Anthony Richardson work? Just get, and I understand he, the throwing ability might not be there, but the running ability is, the athleticism is, the size is, get the ball in this guy's hands whenever you can. He's an asset. Not Maybe not the first overall pick. Asset. Well, that's and what the, the Bears have. Yeah, and by the way, I, I, I double his size. I'm, I'm being facetious here, right? Yeah, Justin Fields is like six two, six three, whatever he is. But like, he's bigger. Richardson's bigger. Um, yeah, I wouldn't draft him number one overall, but I think he, I think he will be a first round pick. Oh, there, I think there, after this, there's no doubt he's a first round pick after after uh, what he's done this weekend. So it's just a matter of how much a team's willing to jump up. But what this does to me, if I'm the Bears, it makes me more likely to trade that first pick. And you're in a position where if you trade down to four and draft Colts, Anthony Richardson, you can still draft Anthony and, Richardson and there. Nothing about your offense has to change. No, <laughs> literally, your you, your offense might get better. Yeah, and you just reset the clock for a couple of years. Yeah, 
But they, um, there's also the the real possibility that they think they can get something out of Justin Fields still. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I can't say I blame them. I do think it's too early to just give up on the idea, like because we've seen some real nice flashes out of Justin Fields. Sure. Uh, so he's got to he's got to throw the ball better. Yeah. The the Bears are in a weird a weird circumstance. But then you're you're saying, okay, well, why'd you get rid of Justin Fields? Well. He wasn't great at throwing the football. So why'd you draft the quarterback? Why'd you draft he's great at throwing the football. Exactly. Yeah. So well, he's great at throwing the football when there's not defenders on the yes. field. Like, yes. Yeah, yeah. Same thing with Will Levis. Will Levis on Saturday was throwing the football, and the reports were that people were stopping. Yeah. People were stopping what they were doing and watching because the ball exploded out of his hands. There was like a zip on the ball, which is what I've I've been saying it forever. It doesn't mean that he should be the number one overall pick. In fact, back in the day, I, he could throw a pigskin a quarter yeah. mile. <laughs> he, he is on the recall. In fact, his his odds went down. He's now plus fifteen hundred to be the number one overall pick. But can he throw the football? Oh yeah, he can throw the football. Uh, the other big story out of the NFL Combine was the measurement of Bryce Young. A lot of people were questioning him, uh, his size. You sent me a picture of him wearing lifts. He was wearing shoes that you know, kind of. It's not like they were platform shoes, but cer- certain shoes make you taller. Mm-hmm. Air, Air Force Ones. Make you a little bit taller, uh-huh. right? They had a little bit, a little bottom. He was wearing these, uh, whatever shoes he was wearing, the bottoms looked like they were thick. Isn't it funny that, like, when you're an NFL prospect, if you're 5'10", you're like, it's like a regular guy walking around being, like, 5'4". Yeah. Like, it's just, like, a weird insecurity thing. And, like... It's- Five ten is like a perfectly fine height for a normal human. It's yeah, just, but it's it's a different world. Like the, they're they, these guys. I mean, are people just, are like, why why would Bryce Young walk in with this tight end who's you yeah. know three inches taller than him? It's, it's a terrible look. Uh, NFL players are just a different uh, different makeup. The the size, the athleticism. It's yeah, you five ten is not good enough. I'm sorry. So here's what Bryce Young measured at officially five ten and one eighth. He also weighed in at 204 pounds. He is the lightest round one quarterback, assuming he's drafted in the first round because he's projected to be the number one overall pick. The lightest first round quarterback since 2006. Who was that? I'll get there. Okay. He's also would be one of the shortest quarterbacks drafted since the AFL-NFL merger. So... Uh, and his hand measurement, nine and three quarters, whatever that means. Uh, here's what you have. Um, Kyler Murray. He, who, like, I always think, I've, I've assumed that Bryce Young and Kyler Murray are basically the same size. Kyler Murray measured in at 5'10 and 1'8, the exact same okay. height as Bryce Young. And Kyler, Kyler Murray. a little thicker? 207 pounds. And what was Bryce? 204. Okay. So, so they're basically the same. They're size. basically the same size. Kyler Murray was the shortest first-round quarterback drafted since 1967, tied with Johnny Manziel, who was taken 22nd overall in 2014. They are the only two quarterbacks drafted in the first round under six feet. Damn. Michael Vick, six feet exactly, 210 pounds at the 2001 Combine. Drew Brees. Six feet two thirteen at the two thousand one combine. So, Kyler Murray's probably the the exact comparison that you're looking for in terms of size. The question is, does Bryce Young have Kyler Murray's running ability? I would say, well, no. Now he does, maybe. Like I don't know. Like Kyler oh, Murray's yeah. probably greatly reduced. 
But I would say that he's coming in a much more established passer than Kyler yes. Murray came in. Yes. Is this who you're going to attach your franchise to? I mean, the Cardinals did it with Kyler Murray. Do they regret it now? I don't know. A couple years later, he gets injured. Whatever. They gave him. They gave him a whole lot of money that said they, they don't gave, regret it. They gave like, him a lot of money. Yeah, but they were also hesitant about giving him the money, and they were also putting in clauses saying that he had to study. Now yeah. you're not going to have to do that with Bryce Young. Bryce Young is he's never had that issue. Before. That's the other thing. Like the, when you talk about Kyler Murray and Johnny Manziel. Like, there's been questions about if they prioritized mm-hmm. football. Like, I don't think anybody's questioning it. Like, what Bryce Young's priority is football. Like, Bryce yeah. Young is a, f- a football all day kind of guy. Uh, so, that's at least something that he's got going in his favor over those other two smaller guys. But does the height concern you? Sure. Because well, I think you're going to have to now be creative in your offense in getting him outside the pocket. You're going to have to be creative with your blocking scheme. Because you have to open up passing lanes. Because a guy that short is not going to be able to see over the line. Yeah. So you have to be creative. There's a reason why Kyler Murray is always outside the pocket. So, and and the, Drew Brees, I mean, the, the way that the Saints used to block for him, I mean, they opened up passing lanes left and right. And Drew Brees always had that thing where he threw on his tippy toes, where he, like, made himself taller when he threw the football. He was kind of throwing over the line at times. I mean, again, this is a guy that was two inches taller, though, than what Bryce Young is at. I'm curious to see how it all plays out. Right now, no one's afraid of it because the odds on Bryce Young did increase, if you will. He's now minus 200 to be the first overall selection. Yeah, it is funny that, like, the guy, like, Bryce Young seems like the the best quarterback Mm -hmm. in the draft. But you've got these guys like Will Levis and Anthony Richardson who who have these freakish skill sets Mm -hmm. that are appealing. And then C.J. Stroud... It's so interesting because C.J. Stroud is, I, I think, probably the best passer of all the guys that we're talking about, like from a, an accuracy and, and like overall passing standpoint. Uh, of course, he had great players around him. And like if you can run the way you ran against Georgia, then why don't you run all the time? Like it, uh, the question was always like his athleticism. But then we've seen games like that Georgia game where it was like, man, this guy can move a little mm-hmm. bit. Like, why haven't we seen that all along? So, C.J. Stroud is is kind of the he's the in between because he's got great size. He is a good passer. Um, he, he's is he as athletic as these other guys? Probably not. But we've seen that he's got some athleticism. That's it, it. At least he's at least shown flashes of it. And if there's flashes there, maybe there's a little bit more to dig into. Now, there's a lot of quarterbacks that really did, did impress in terms of throwing at the combine. Guys that might be able to have NFL futures. Dorian Thompson Robinson threw the ball as hard as anybody out there. So you're looking at arm strength. You know, DTR is a guy, 6'2", 203, who's got incredible zip on the football. Stetson Bennett did impress people with his deep throwing. The problem with Stetson Bennett is that he is 25 years old. Stetson Bennett can be the third string quarterback on my team, uh, who whatever team I've got. Like I, I'm and looking, I'm looking for an undrafted free agent that or is, seventh round uh, pick. No, I yeah seventh round. I think he'll be. A, I don't think he goes undrafted. Someone's going to draft him in the late rounds. It would make sense. Like th- that guy is a winner. That guy is a a gamer. So I would. Uh, I, I wouldn't fault anybody who wanted him on their team. Yeah. And other guys, your boy Jake Hayner certainly has arm ability. Yeah. But um, more of a project guy, doesn't have a ton of mobility. Uh, I don't know if 
I, 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 someone will draft him in the late rounds just because of his arm ability. A guy that, you know, is not going to get drafted probably and could be a practice squad guy or could be the next star of the XFL, Max Dugan. Yeah. You know, he can move. He can move, but I do don't think he's an NFL quarterback. Uh, didn't show, you know, didn't show much. A lot of guys. Well, he didn't show much when there was a uh, NFL true. defense on the other yeah, side. A lot of guys uh, better than him. Uh, other quarterbacks that I'm interested in to see um, what teams do as far as drafting: Malik Cunningham. Mm-hmm. Malik Cunningham is a very athletic guy, runs the football extremely well, uh, threw the ball, threw the deep ball very well during the combine on Saturday. So, uh, in, but, you know, how many offenses are throwing the ball deep all the time? It's, it's, it's a lot more than that. And a guy who I think could be a second-round quarterback that might have some upside here, Aiden O'Connell. Aiden O'Connell had a really good passing yeah. day. Again, there's no defense. You're wearing, yeah. you're wearing spandex and shorts or whatever. But he's 6'3", 213. Oh, yeah. He's, everything. he's the prototype yeah. quarterback. But he's kind of the, the old school prototype, which isn't yes, what people are necessarily looking true. for anymore. That's true. But did throw the ball well and and got positive grades based on any recap article that you read out there. Uh, did, he did get good grades on his throwing ability at the Combine. I think, you know, C.J. Stroud probably had the best throwing ability. I'd say, I'd say the, the, the big three that threw were the big three that had the best days, and that was C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, and uh, Anthony Richardson. You know who else had a good Combine? My guy, my pet, my pet in this draft is Bijan Robinson, the mm. running back from Texas. And this is what was written about him yesterday. As good as advertised, uh, the clear top player at the position, he finished with a 4-4-6 40-yard dash while also having a 37-inch vertical and leaping 10-foot-7 inches in the broad jump. <laughs> Starred during on-field drills, runs with an effortless style that makes it easy for him to sink and transition his weight in any direction. When I asked scouts for a target range of where he'll be selected, every answer included somewhere inside the top 20. Uh, that is impressive, to say the least. So, yeah. uh, And this is a running back. Like, this is a guy who – running backs don't go that high anymore. And I always laugh at teams who take running backs in, in the top 10 or mm-hmm. top 15. I won't laugh at anybody who takes B. John Robinson. I think he is an incredible player. I think he's a game changer at running back. I think he's like – Christian McCaffrey level type of player. So I, I, I won't laugh at anyone. Your uh, combine winners as of now, the fastest 40 time DJ Turner, cornerback from Michigan at four, two, six. Uh, by comparison, the all time fastest John Ross in 2017, four, two, two. So that's pretty good there. Your bench press. Cause that's what we are very impressed with. Mazzy Smith. From Michigan, 34 reps. These Michigan guys get ready for this combine, huh? Michigan guys get ready for the combine, 34 reps. Uh, The all-time best performance of the bench press was uh, uh, Stephen Paya from Oregon State in 2011. 49 reps at 225. That's a lot of reps. He must work out. Yeah, that's a lot. (laughs) I told you, I did 16 a couple years ago. I, I think if I tried it today... 
I don't even know if I can get, I mean, I can get 10, but I don't know if I can get much more than like 12, 13. Actually, maybe I'll try and go for it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm coming in tomorrow in a sling because I tore my shoulder again. Uh, So that's the results from the NFL Combine. Still some workouts to uh, go. I think the cornerbacks and stuff. Uh, So still going to be some workouts going on, but the quarterbacks are are done, and now we turn our attention to some pro days where we will finally see Bryce Young throw uh, in a couple of weeks. It was a short schedule on the ice yesterday, but it all started with the three-time defending Eastern Conference champion Tampa Bay Lightning dropping their fifth straight game, and this one in the most embarrassing fashion. They lose 6-0 to the Carolina Hurricanes, and this is on the heels of a 5-3 loss on Saturday against Buffalo in which their head coach, John Cooper, benched his star players in the third period. Literally. He said, you guys ain't playing the third period. Were they not playing hard? What happened? He's sending a message to his team. So Nobody's above it. Exactly. So he, John Cooper was like, hey, Stamkos, you, not playing. Sit. All right. Hey, uh, Kucherov, you. Sit your ass on the bench. Braden Point, I don't care what you did in the playoffs for us. Trash on the bench. Riding the pine. And they didn't play in the third period after losing, trailing four to one. Those three stars didn't play the third period. They lost their fourth straight. So you would think bounce back performance here on Sunday. Not so much. Message received. This team had four shots on goal. Not just through the first period. Through the second period as well. They finished the game being outshot 38-14. So at least they showed some fight in the third period. But I tweeted out a photo of the box score with about, I guess, eight minutes or so left in the second period. It was 3-0 Carolina. And they were out shooting. Tampa Bay had four shots on goal. (laughs) And that's how they finished the second period. So three goals to four shots. Yeah. That doesn't seem like an effective way. It was... It was honestly, and I watched this game because I gave out on pregame.com, I gave out the under six, which pushed. By the way, if you have a game under six and one team scores zero, you probably win that under, I don't know, 95% of the time. Yeah. <laughs> like, Mac, I wonder what, if you, there's probably nowhere to find these odds. But if I told you, give me an under six game, under six total, and one of the teams scores zero. Like, what are the odds that the other team scores six? <laughs> I mean, it's, that wouldn't be pretty simple. What's the odds that someone has a shutout? I don't know. Yeah, and what's One the odds t- that a team scores six goals in the game? You're right. I guess there is a way to figure that out. <laughs> but this wound up being a push. I actually thought I was going to get the win because with about five minutes left in the game, it was 5 nothing. But then uh, there was a scuffle in which Tampa Bay wound up, wound up taking two penalties on the same play. Five-on-three power play for Carolina. They scored their sixth goal of the game. 6 nothing. The Lightning are just... I don't know what it is. Somebody tweeted at me and asked, is it the age catching up to, up to them? And I said it could be age. It could be fatigue. It could be motivation. Because they're playing deep into the playoffs every year, right? Three straight years yeah. you go to the Stanley Cup final. Three straight years that weighs coach. on you. Same yeah. coach. People, he's retired. He's, he's yeah. fed up. But people you said about LeBron, right? Like the, the, you, the guy plays so many more games than the average player because he's, he's playing deep into the playoffs yeah, you, every season. You play like, like essentially an extra season when you add it starts up, to add year up yeah. year. Look, right now they're, they're, they're comfortably, and this is the thing, they're comfortably in the playoffs right now. 
And I think with about 20-something games left, a little less than that, right? So what's uh, 82 minus 63 is 19? Yep. With 19 games left, you see that? I can go to Yale, too. That was quick. With 19 games left in the takes. season. What's well, 82 minus 63? <laughs> yeah. You're in. You're in. Yeah. <laughs> 18. Cornell. That's funny. Uh, 17. Montclair State in here. <laughs> so you, you, they're comfortably in the playoffs. They have 79 points. Like the next team behind them is... Buffalo in their own standings and Buffalo has 68 points. So they're not gonna they're not gonna miss the playoffs. And even if they were to drop into a wild card spot, still they're not it's not gonna happen. So I think at this point it's yes, a lot of fatigue. It's so a lot can of can they flip the switch? That's the thing. I don't think you can. I don't think that it, it's just like a light switch that you can just turn on and all of a sudden become the, the best team in the NHL. I think when this team plays against Toronto in the first round of the playoffs, because that's going to be the matchup, the 2-3 matchup in the Atlantic Division, I think the Maple Leafs are going to wipe the floor with them. I really do. Now, the, the great equalizer. What's the line in that series, you think? Uh, Toronto, Toronto has home. home ice, so Toronto would be probably a minus 180 favorite in that series. The thing is, is that the great equalizer in the playoffs is your goaltending. And Andre Vasilevsky is one of the best goaltenders in the world. He's not playing like it right now. And again, that could be fatigue starting to pile up. Again, three straight years, you're going to the Stanley Cup final. You're playing a lot of hockey. Overall in the season, think about this. In three straight games, he has now given up 14 goals in three games combined. 14 goals in three games. His goals against average on the season is still 2.6. <laughs> His save percentage is still 917. He's still a top 10 goalie in goals saved above expected. He is still one of the best goalies in the world. So if he just gets hot and he can keep the team in the game, the problem is they're very thin defensively. And I just think they're a broken team right now. I would keep fading them. I Wouldn't really you would. also say that come playoff time, though, like the team that's scary to fade is a team that's been there and done that year after year. Like exactly. a team that knows how to turn it on exactly. in the playoffs. Like it was yep. one thing when – the Nets were still big favorites last year, even though they'd proven not to be, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. what we thought they were. But we hadn't seen that team win three years in a row. Like yeah. it was more like the Warriors last year, where it's like we know this team can really turn it on come playoff time. It's a scary thing, and if the if the Lightning do that, you know, it could it could look just like it's looked the last couple of years. Yeah, I, I just I, I don't think this team's going anywhere this year. I think the run is finally going to come to a close. And what do you know? Four straight years to the Stanley Cup final. I'm, I'm, this is me yeah. talking in the future. Uh, elsewhere yesterday, the Flyers beat the Red Wings 3-1. Vegas, a 4-3 win over the Canadiens. The Devils blow a late lead against the Coyotes. But they still pick up the win in overtime. <laughs> so uh, they give away the game with about two minutes left. And then they just steal it right back as they go into overtime. And then the Kraken, a 3-2 win over the Avalanche in overtime. So let's take a look at the schedule tonight. You get the Oilers at the Sabres. Edmonton, minus 145. Sharks at the Jets. Winnipeg, minus 220. The Flames at the Stars. Dallas, minus 130. Senators at the Blackhawks. Ottawa, minus 267. I gave out a three-star on Saturday. Uh, fading the Blackhawks because this team is pathetic. And I said, you know what? They don't have any offense. I'm going to go under two and a half goals for the Chicago Blackhawks. They lost 7-3. Blackhawks have lost four straight games now. The goals that they've scored in those four games, 2-1-2-1. Two, one, two, one. So I, I bet the— So cashed. Yeah, cashed. But listen to, what, listen, to how, listen to how the game started. Chicago scored 30 seconds into the game. 
Oh, man. <laughs> they had a one nothing lead. That always makes you feel good. 37, 37 seconds into the game, they had a one nothing lead. They didn't score the rest of the game. So, Chicago, uh, yeah, complete fade material right now for me. Might have to look at Ottawa. You have two teams going in complete opposite directions. Ottawa is surging right now, and the Blackhawks are fading. For Ottawa, they sit right now at 68 points. They've won five straight games and are now three points out of the second wild card spot in the Eastern Conference. So you got a team that has won seven of the last ten, including five straight, playing really good hockey against a team that is just seems like they're playing out the strings, waiting for the season to be over. Capitals are at the Kings, LA minus 160, Predators at the Canucks. That game is lined pretty evenly minus 110 both ways your updated stanley cup odds as we sit here with as we mentioned the math 19 games or so left in the regular season no surprise the bruins are your favorite at plus 400 the avalanche still your second favorite at plus 600 and then your third favorite is the carolina hurricanes this is a leap up from where they were and i think carolina playing better hockey than probably anyone not named Boston uh, in the NHL right now, this would be the, the, uh, another team to look at as I don't think anybody would be surprised if we got a Carolina-Boston Eastern Conference Finals. I give you the Bruins, Hurricanes, Devils, Maple Leafs. I take the field. What's the line? So, wait, you're taking basically every Eastern Conference team? Uh, and, I, I, I and I get the, the top four in the standings. I'm going to take the rest. The top four in the odds or the top the top four in the odds? Either one you want to do. I was looking at the standings. But sure. Okay. Well, I think the per- the percentage for me would would be that I get pretty much I get the whole Western Conference playoffs because you didn't give any Eastern Conference teams in there. Well, we've talked about this. I'm not sure if that actually helps. In I know. Because you're guaranteed one in, but you're also guaranteed someone out. So. You're right. You're right. Uh, wow. Because I get VGK at five. That's what I'm thinking about. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It's tough. It's tough. I think, like I said, I think the Rangers are alive. Uh, the Devils and Rangers are both 13-1. to 1. They're alive. Tampa, I think, is out of it. Um, you're, you're saying don't take the favorites. It is wide open. Not necessarily take the favorites. It, Boston's just been so great. And it's this could be like one of those runaway seasons where they're just so dominant. And this is just it's – it's their cup to lose right now. Do you realize that Boston has a 105 – Goal differential, 105. The next highest team in the NHL is a plus 57. Wow. And that's Carolina. That's pretty wild. 105 goals they've outscored their opponents by. They're the fastest team in NHL history to 100 points. Their goaltender, Linus Allmark, is a lock for the Vesna Trophy. In fact, do they even have odds on that anymore? Let's look at the awards. The Vesna odds, Allmark is minus 900. Can I give that out? Like, like that that seems like a good bet to make. I think you can. There's value. You think he's 90% plus to hit? I think he's 90% plus to hit. Let's yeah. do it. Let's right go. now, Olmark has a 1.89 goals against average. He's heavy. He's 32-4-1 on the season. The question is, if his head fell off tomorrow, would he still win the trophy? Yeah, I think he's done enough. Okay. Let's, I think he's done let's enough. Let's bet it. Yeah. They, I, I think because like I don't know who the second favorite is probably uh, Ilya Sorokin from from the Islanders, and I think there's actually a couple of goaltenders that are having maybe a little bit better seasons than him. You know what's wild is like Olmark is at one point nine. This this actually might work against Olmark, and voters might think that it's a 
a team and a system like for the Devils. The Devils in the two, early 2000s, Martin Brodeur. Oh, Brodeur is the best goaltender in hockey. Was it Brodeur? Who, yeah, Brodeur's a Hall of Famer. But the Devils' system back then was such a stifling defensive system. The Devils invented the neutral zone trap, which literally they played the, 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 the league changed the rules because of the Devils. They got rid of the two-line pass because of the New Jersey Devils. Because the Devils would just win all these games 2-1, to one, and scoring was down, and they showed the blueprint on how to defend and use this neutral zone trap that other teams started playing copycat, and scores were just down around the whole league. So the NHL is like, well, we got we to gotta do something about this. So that whole two-line pass, screw that. You're allowed to do that now, boys. Let's have some fun. Is that before or after the lockout? Let's open up the ice. Uh, I don't know what year it was, but it was definitely after the Devils had had their cup runs. Yeah, in the, the early the 2000s. lockout was like 2004, right yeah. after that. Yeah, so um, that's the thing. You look at the Bruins. Olmark a 1.89 goals against average. His backup Jeremy Swayman fourth in the league with a 2.27 goals against Damn. average. So is Olmark really the best goaltender in the NHL when his backup? Is statistically the fourth best goaltender in the NHL, or is it the system that the Bruins are running that is just stifling defensively? I think it's a little bit of both. Olmark is just—you have to reward a season like this. There's a reason why he's a minus 900 favorite to win this award. Uh, he totally deserves it. If you've listened to the podcast this far, you've already listened way longer than Cyril Gunn. And John Jones oh. were in the octagon for. Yeah, unfortunately, because I bet. In fact, I bet over four and a half if rounds. If you just listened to the opening five minutes of the podcast, you listened for longer than Cyril Gunn and John Jones were in the octagon. For. Yeah, the uh, the clip or the uh, the Grizzlies went on a scoring drought that was four times longer <laughs> than the main event. I mean, this is a, it was crazy. Yeah, John Jones, uh your new UFC heavyweight champion of the world gets his gets a, very gu- tubby. a guillotine submission. I wouldn't say tubby. Just look he gained he had to gain weight for the he's, to move up to heavyweight. He's thick, man. Yeah, like, but he's he's he, he's not as toned as he was. No, oh, no, certainly not. But because I mean this, like, is, this is the weight that you gained to be heavyweight. Yeah. Like if you if you you lined up him and Cyril Gunn next to each other, Gunn looked the, the much more impressive physique. But that doesn't matter when you get put in a headlock in the first 2 minutes of the fight. Yeah, it it was uh the question was would John Jones be able to implement his grappling and that's something that we haven't seen John Jones use in a long time. He used it pretty effectively. Gone never was able to get his game going, so a quick win for John Jones. I would expect him to fight Stipe Miocic next. Um, 40 years old, man. John Jones is 35. I they guess. don't care. It's a big yeah. money fight. Uh, and he's considered the greatest heavyweight of all time by a lot of people. So yeah. it's a it's a it's a good you know measuring stick fight for John Jones, who's considered the greatest mixed martial artist of mm-hmm. all time. Mm-hmm. So if you can beat the greatest heavyweight, it's another uh, nice mark on the resume. The big you don't think you think it's a Stipe fight, not a Francis return. Francis, I mean, Dana White said Francis will never be in the UFC again. Really? Yeah. So which tells for, you how what's that kind of bullheaded he is? Like that, you know, Francis Ngannou would be a, like it'd be a huge draw, but he's like, no, he'll never do it. So what's next for Ngannou? Fighting a, a Tyson boxing, Fury, a boxing match, fighting Tyson Fury, and being the I hope it's not Tyson Fury. I hope I hope that he takes some sort of fight. Up. I'd like to see him box against someone that's not Tyson Fury. That's the mistake I think he'd be making. Because they're instantly like, well, who should he fight? Tyson Fury? And I'm like, or 
anyone, anyone but the best heavyweight boxer in the world. That would be the move. Yeah. Uh, maybe he can fight the who, whoever Fury's fighting. Fight next. Anthony Joshua. Like, and, yeah. and if Anthony Joshua beats you, cool. You never have to fight Tyson Fury. You can go try and be like a professional boxer and probably make a good living. But fighting that world heavyweight champion in a sport that you're new to mm-hmm. is not. It's not the answer. That's not a good idea. It's not how you start things off. Uh, the bigger news that came, maybe the, the bigger surprise that came out of UFC 285 was the upset of the women's flyweight champion, Valentina Shevchenko. Uh, She tapped in the fourth round to, I don't even know if it was considered a choke. It was almost like a a crank uh, because she didn't look like she had it under the chin. This was a huge upset. Uh, Valentina, typically a a huge favorite. A little bit smaller favorite this time around. Yeah, it was Um, like minus 1,100. Yeah, well, just... That's like that's Bo Nickel was way heavier favorite than that. Oh well, let's get to that. Bo Nickel, who is accused now, it was weird. I mean, he of course blitzes through uh, Jamie Pickett. It took it lasted two two minutes and fifty four seconds, which is longer than his first three fights combined. Well, he had the he had the lock in yeah. for like a minute and a, a minute and a half, and uh, or what it seemed like forever because I was sitting there watching the fight because I bet him just to win in the first round. Yeah. And that was even minus 225. Yeah. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm like, dude, just tap. And, like, he was getting tired. I wanted him to let, let go, go and started hitting him. Yeah. Oh, remember, okay, I bet yeah. the KO or TKO. I was like, let it go and just <laughs> pound on him. And he didn't. He could have done that because there was times he was getting tired, and he would, like, let go of the lock and then, like, re-grip it in again. It was just a matter of time. And I'm saying, there's, there's three minutes left in the round. There's no way this guy's not going to tap out. <laughs> but the drama came from before it got down to the ground. Bo Nickel threw one strike the entire fight, and it was a knee that, Looked like maybe it went to the groin. Mm. Uh, Jamie Pickett certainly reacted like it went to the groin. He said after the fight it went to the groin. Bo Nickel said, nope, it went to the thigh. I'm not a dirty fighter. I would have known. And so that's that's the big debate uh, on there. So, yeah, that's the uh, the the UFC 285 recap. Ended up being a really good fight card. The the Jeff Neal and Shavkat Rachmanov fight one fight of the night and it was absolutely fantastic Rachmanov got a late finish but it was a very very good fight uh next fight will be on saturday it's march 11th and it'll be they're fighting at the uh the virgin hotels theater and normally in vegas now they do them at the apex but this Mm. is actually going to be at the, the virgin hotels theater uh which is a little bit odd but uh Pyotr jan former banterweight champion taking on marab dvalishvili uh, and a heavyweight matchup between Alexander Volkov and Alexander Romanov uh, is the co I, I, I'll bet minus a million that Alexander wins. I think you're probably onto something there. Head on over to pregame.com because another guarantee is that you're going to find something that you like. You can jump on board any daily best bet package or a season-long package. I know there's uh, some appetizing early bird specials going on right now for you know football next year but also pretty soon major league baseball yeah you're gonna want to jump on board for a season-long package and you can take 20 percent off at pregame.com use the promo code bacon 2020 oh yeah bacon 2020 so nice, we did it twice. It gets you 20% off anything you'd like at pregame.com. Mackenzie Rivers is on a heater in the NBA. An absolute heater. I want to say 20 and 4? I was 20 and 3. I lost my three, last three games, 20 and 5. 
20? Uh, wow. Is that how that works? I think, Wait, you know, if you were 23, you lost three or 20 and six. 20 and six. I'll tell you what. <laughs> everyone tweet at Mac and Rivers and talk shit about how he is now a loser because 20 and six is not good enough. Mm. I'm sorry, Mackenzie. There are pros out there that are that are just, go, you know, they're, they're, back they're to doing the drawing better. board. Back to the drawing board. We'll, we'll get them. That's that, that 20 and six. Yeah, it's nice. It's insane. Oh, my goodness. And you get 20 percent off of that. That's pretty good. I'll, I'll say this: twenty and six is nice. I'm happier fifty seven percent all time in the NBA. That's, that's that is an awesome. Number. I like that number. That's yeah, and and up what over seventy something units the yep. past two seasons. Yep, yep. Yeah, it's a pretty good profit margin. So uh, jump Suck on, on that. <laughs> yeah, jump on board that at pregame.com. Twenty percent off with the coupon Bacon twenty twenty. The conference tournaments getting underway. The big conference tournaments getting underway this week. AJ is going to be all over the college basketball and of course the NCAA tournament. Yeah, we'll preview gets underway. We'll preview uh, all the big conference tournaments tomorrow morning and. Uh, and give you a, a look into them because uh, ACC tournament kick, uh, tips off at like 11 a.m. Eastern yeah. uh, tomorrow. So yeah, we should. What we should do is also once Selection Sunday is this coming Sunday. Yep. We should uh, for uh, Monday morning's episode give out futures bets based on the the field of 68. Let's do it. So look forward to that. But again, go to pregame.com. If you're not a member, sign up. It's free. Get a free $25 for signing up. Use the promo code BACON2020. Get you 20% off anything you'd like at pregame.com. For Mackenzie Rivers and AJ Hoffman, we are straight out of Vegas AM.